Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I am, uh, I think, joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Maybe not. Maybe we're having some audio issues. Alrighty, I'll fly solo for a little bit. Happy weekend, everybody. I wanted to do a show um, this weekend in honor of July 4th, of course, Independence Day. So my idea for the show today is surrounding financial independence. And I'm going to approach that from several different angles, starting with, you know, the younger subset of financially independent people being, you know, recent uh, graduates, young adults, um, and sort of giving them some ideas on how they can become financially independent of their parents um, and throughout their lives, hopefully. We wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, just sort of taking control of your finances and um, not letting them control you, but taking control, living within your means, sort of empowering yourself to be financially independent. So I wanted to talk through some of that and go through some examples. Um, I also wanted to talk about, uh, you know, later in life, uh, one concern for retirees, for example, or older, um, older Americans might be remaining independent of their adult children. You know, what if the cost of care is, you know, becomes more than they can afford and how can they remain uh, home and remain financially independent of their adult kids? So maybe we'll sort of end the show today um, on that note. And uh, so I guess we'll start with, I, I guess we'll start with the younger set. And, and we talked about this a month or two ago, um, you know, sort of 
uh, going through some financials for recent graduates. And I think that this is super, super helpful for parents of, you know, teenagers and college students and young adults. And um, it, it's it's helpful to give them some ideas about um, you know, their expenses and what they can afford and what money really buys in this area of the world. So I think that that was really helpful. And I want to go through that again, maybe take a little bit of a different twist on it. Um, Kirk, are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, can you can't hear any audio from him, Larry? Oh, you, oh, you know what? Larry's not on the Zoom. That's what it is. Do you know how to get on the Zoom? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, all right. So I will try to multitask here. Larry, I'm going to try to um, email you the Zoom link. So you need to get on the Zoom so that you can pull the audio. Do you know how to do that? If I get you on the Zoom? Okay. Um, in that case, Kirk, just give us one second. We are going to technical difficulties here. Um, oh, no, it does say. Yeah, okay. All right, give me a second, and then we're, I promise we're going to get to the meat of our um, show today, which is financial independence. Um, happy Fourth of July weekend, everybody. Uh, just give me a moment. I need to invite our uh, host here of today's show to the Zoom. There you go, Larry. I just sent you an email, so I think maybe you can hop on and pull the audio for Kirk. Um, all right. I just was sort of uh, doing an intro and a background and, and what we're going to talk about. And I wanted to jump right into um, financial independence for young adults. And you remember what we talked about, I don't know, a month or two ago when we were do- going through like the budgeting exercise for young adults graduating from college, for example, and working through you know, how much money they make and what are taxes and what should they be saving and what if they have student loans and what does that really mean in terms of what their spendable money is? I think that really, I think that is incredibly relevant for today's topic as well. So I just pulled up that spreadsheet again and, you know, we don't have to go through, um, you know, last time we did this, we went through, you know, different amounts of student loans and payoff periods and stuff like that. We don't need to get into that much detail. But I just wanted to pick one or two of them and sort of just make the point of if you're being financially responsible, which, of course, is our goal to, to you know, educate people on what that means and, and, and what you need to do to be financially responsible. If you're being financially responsible, how much money you really need to make to be able to be financially independent in, you know, New England or, or really. And I guess I'm, I'm saying like the Boston area. So I just went through and I was doing like a really quick high level like budget for for like, let's assume a college graduate or someone right out of high school going into the trades or something like that. And and, you know, what if they want to live in uh, the Boston area and rent is a thousand dollars a month or something like that? What you know, what does it really take for them to be financially independent? So I went through and I just picked out like a few, you know, we don't have to go through like a line by line budget, of course. But if you think about things like, of course, rent and I and I did some quick searching. I'm not super familiar with, how, you know, rents in, in different areas, but I, I don't think you're going to unless you have like five roommates, I don't think you're going to pay rent much less than like a thousand bucks a month. Right. I mean, I was looking at like two bedroom apartments in the Boston area and they're at least $2,000 a month, if not 2,500 to 3,500. Right. So I would think, yeah, I would think a lot, a thousand would be a minimum. On the low side. I'm on the very low side. Right. I was even looking in, you know, Quincy and I don't know, Dorchester is I think kind of expensive now in Somerville too, but um, you're not paying much less than a thousand a month. So I put a thousand bucks a month in there for rent and then, you know, transportation, whether that's 
that's you know, public transportation or whether that's, you know, gas and upkeep of a car. I wasn't factoring in a car payment. I'm just, you know, lowballing transportation type costs at like 125 bucks a month. That's probably like on the low end, right? So between cell phone and utilities, you've got to be, it depends on, right, if, if utilities are included in the apartment and all that stuff. And if you have cable or don't have cable or internet or whatever. So I'm thinking that's going to be at least a couple hundred bucks a month, right? 200 to 250 a month. It's got to be easily that, even if you're splitting it with roommates. And then, you know, food, going out, you know, drinks in Boston, dining out, takeout, et cetera. That's not, I, I, I cannot imagine that's less than like, 150 or 200 bucks a week, right? So I was putting like six to 800 bucks a month on that. And I kind of stopped there. You know, of course, there's other things, little things that will add up car insurance, renter's insurance, if you have that, you know, things like that will add up. But I'm getting, it's going to, again, in the Boston area or even on the South Shore, it's going to be at least a couple thousand bucks. And just those things right there, those like four or five things. That's at least a couple thousand dollars a month, right? If you're a young adult trying to be independent of your parents. And those, yeah, and those are all just the mostly stuff that you need to do for, for the most part, right? Those are all kind of essential things. Right. I Maybe I, I don't know, I was thinking was a couple. Maybe one item you threw in there, yeah. But, yeah, I was thinking a couple hundred bucks a week might include like groceries and going out, dining out. I have no idea. No, you can spend a lot more than that, but I was thinking somebody like, you know, living on a relatively small amount of money could, you know, eat and drink for relatively cheap in the city. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've, t- I've lost a little bit of um, uh, perspective on that. I'm not exactly single and living in the city anymore, but. Um, I know. Yeah. The last, I mean, it's been years. I probably, it's been years since we've been in Boston. Like, you yeah, know, I know. And it's in the last time, you know, and you go and it's like, and you order a drink, whatever, and you're like, really? That's oh, no. So I was like, oh, it's like two drinks. Sure? It was like $25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, right there with those really basic things, it's like 2000 to 2200 bucks a month, I'm thinking, easily, right? So let's come back to what we did when we were talking about the um, – when we did the college show and we were talking about student loans, et cetera, and, and ability to pay them back. I'm going to use on – like we were using sort of like a low end and a high end amount of student loans. The national average, I guess, is about $30,000 in terms of what somebody walks out of school with in terms of student loans. And that to me sounds low, actually, to be the average. Of course, some kids walk out with no loans. So so there's that. So sort of like the, the on the low end, uh, or I guess the average to the low end, 30000 bucks a year of student loans. And I did um, a 10 year payoff on that. So if you have 30 grand in student loans and you're on track to pay them off in 10 years, which is still a long time, that's about 350 bucks a month. And I don't know, we were assuming 6% interest or 6 or 7% interest rate or something like that on the loans. So <clears throat> so again, we've got 2000 to 2500 bucks a month of that we think we need to live if you're a young adult living in the Boston area or the South Shore, right? Just to be independent of your parents. We worked through an example where someone made $50,000 a year, which in I think in many occupations starting is in the range of what a starting salary would be for someone with a college degree, right? Starting salary in this area for many occupations. Of course, there's a wide range, but I think that that's a fair number to use. And of course, there's a lot of occupations where your starting salary is going to be less than that. But on 50000 bucks a year... 
if we, when we factor in, and I can go through some of the numbers I use, but when we factor in payroll taxes, which we call FICA, so Social Security and Ameri- Medicare taxes, federal and state taxes, putting money in a 401k, putting a little bit of money in a bank account and paying off loans, you're going to see in a minute, I'll go through the numbers, but on 50 grand a year, after we take out all, skim all those things off the top, you're really, you, we back into about 2300, 23 to 2400 bucks a month in terms of spendable income, right? So I, right there, it's like, if you're not making about 50 grand a year, I, again, there's, of course, there's ways to do it where you're not putting in a 401k, maybe you're not saving, maybe you don't have student loans. Of course, there's a way to make it work. But I think that's in the range of what someone, what maybe the average person needs to make in order to be, I guess, immediately financially independent when they're a young adult. So again, on 50 grand a year, Social Security and Medicare taxes on that at 7.65% are 3825 bucks. I estimated federal and state taxes at $6,000 on 50 grand. I did make this person financially responsible and I skimmed 10% off, so 5000 bucks to put into a 401k. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and the importance of that in a, in a few minutes. And I took a couple hundred bucks a month, so 2400 bucks a year, and I um, put it into a savings account. Again, we're going to talk about the importance of having a savings account, emergency savings account, so that again, you, you know, coming back to wanting to remain financially independent, that's super important. And then don't forget our 355 bucks a month of student loan payments. So if you take all those things out of 50 grand, so 50,000 minus FICA, minus federal tax, minus state tax, minus 401k, minus savings and minus student loans, you get down to 23 to 2400 bucks a month. And, and we, we sort of already established that that's probably in the range of what someone needs, not even to live like an extraordinary lifestyle in the Boston area, but just to be financially independent. And that's a responsible, you know, adult as because we've got money going into 401k and, and building savings. Um, and we and again, when we did this show, um, we did like a college affordability show a couple months ago, and we worked through a lot of different examples. And of course, you know, how, how quickly or how slowly you pay off your loans, whether or not you put money in a 401k, you know, that changes all the numbers. And of course, you can make it work on less. Um, but I think that that's in the range of what it's good, what it would take to be financially independent of your parents, at least immediately as a young adult. And, you know, then there's, you know, we could talk through, you know, someone graduating and what if they do have 30 grand in debt or more? And if they, you know, live with their parents for a year or two and really whack down the debt, then it's much easier to be financially independent, right? But you have to sacrifice a year or two, you know, of maybe I shouldn't use the word sacrifice in terms of living with your parents. I hope our kids don't feel like that when they get out of school, like they're sacrificing a year of their life to live with us. But but I think that's what it's going to take. I had, I had one other uh, one other thing to, to add. I mean, we can either uh, kick it down the road or just throw it in. I just... Um... You know, one th- one other thing for kid, you know, for kids as far as being you know financially independent and, and helping them along their way is, and this might even be taking a step back as far as the timeline, but you know, helping them to uh, establish some credit. You know, I know that's sometimes a question we get from you know from you know parent you know clients that we have is what can we do for our kids to you know help them get their credit you know history started, 
And, you know, cause that, you know, that goes a long way, you know, so, you know, a couple of the things that that helps with is, you know, like when they go to apply for their own insurance, you know, that can help, you know, reduce premiums. If you've got a better, you know, better credit history, um, you know, when you're trying to, uh, trying to get an apartment uh, or a house, you know, the more likely that you can, you know, get approved, yeah. you know, if you can show some, some good credit history, you know, student loans, car loans, you know, that'll help you get, you know, you know, lower interest rates and, and also get approved. You know, so there's lots of, you know, lots of good reasons to try to start to establish a credit history uh, when you're, you know, it's really as soon as you can, uh, you know, a good history, right? Uh, you know, so, you know, the duration and also the quality are, are both important. And I think, you know, for that, you know, so for a younger person, I think really the maybe the maybe the only and, and you know and, and maybe best you know option is you know basically you get what's called like a, a secured uh, you know a secured credit card or a secured debit card where or well it's it's a credit yeah. card but it's secured by by funds that are Up already front. in the account yeah so, you know you put money into it you know put cash into an account and then you have this card that you, you know so essentially it's like a debit card but uh, but it does you know start to generate some some credit history for you. Oh, I was wondering how that's different from a debit card. Is like when you use a debit, does that not factor into your credit history? I don't. Oh, I don't maybe think it so. doesn't. You might be right. Yeah, maybe that's the so. difference so, right there. So it's a, yeah. it's a slightly different variant, but yeah. um, but it has the cash to to back it up, which is why you know I think they're willing to give it to a to a younger person. Um, yeah. Depending depending on the age, you know, the parent might still have to you know co-sign or 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 authorize it, but. Uh, but the credit history, you know, will go to the to the child and, and help, you know, help start start building that for them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I also think it's super important to when you're a young adult to have that emergency savings account, because when you're a young adult, you like you have no concept of what can come up in life in terms of what things cost, right? Like, you know, when you're an older adult, you have all this history of like, oh, yeah, I know what it can cost to like bring my car in and it needs like brakes and tires and all that stuff. And you you just have no perspective, I think, when you're a younger adult. So it, it's important to have an emergency savings account, which is why when I do that budgeting exercise, I always build in, in that example, a couple hundred bucks a month just to add to your savings. And hopefully you don't really need it. But if you do, it's there and you're not relying on credit cards at a high interest rate or you're not relying on your parents. Um, for money, not, you know, not that that's a terrible thing, but it's, imp- for, you know, we're talking about financial independence here and it's important to set yourself up to be able to handle whatever comes your way um, financially in the future. So building an emergency savings account, again, I, I do still think a good target is three to six months worth of living expenses. So for that young adult that we were just talking about, what is that? Six to 12,000 bucks, you know, great $10,000. Great, great target um, savings account balance for someone in their 20s. Um, maybe optimistic, but but something to work towards. I wanted to go through a compounding interest example because it's just always so much fun, no matter how many times we do it. I always, again, when I go through or when I talk to young adults or when we go through this, you know, budgeting exercise geared toward a young adult, it's so important to build in savings into a retirement account. Hopefully, you know, if you're listening, if you're a young adult listening, or if you have young adult kids, hopefully their first jobs, there's a 401k available to them. If not, there's other options in terms of saving for the future for retirement. But um, it's so, so, so important to start getting money into a 401k early. And this is exactly why I'm going to go through a savings example. And I, 
for we can use any numbers we want and play around with different numbers, but I like to do, I don't know why, but 400 bucks a month. So here, here are two examples. Let's pretend someone saves $400 a month. Oh, Larry, I think we need to break in a minute, right? Oh, okay. We have one minute. Oh, okay. I'll set it up and then we'll do it after the break. We're going to play around with two examples. How much money do you have 40 years from now if you save $400 a month every month for 40 years versus how much money do you have 40 years from now if you don't start saving for 20 years, but then you save 800 bucks a month every month for 20 years? You're saving the same dollar amount, but let's go through the example to see how much you have in terms of an investment. We'll talk about rates of return, et cetera. Um, based on those two examples. It's a huge, crazy, ridiculous difference. Um, You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're just taking a um, quick break. We're talking about financial independence. Happy uh, upcoming Independence Day, everybody. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Um, joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and we're talking about, in honor of Independence Day, uh, we are talking about financial independence. We're trying to approach that from sort of various angles here, um, starting with the younger uh, subset of adults um, and talking through, you know, setting themselves up to be financially independent of their parents and, and hopefully for the rest of their lives. I wanted to work through a uh, compounding interest example, which just means, you know, proving the point that it's so important to start saving early for a goal such as retirement, which is for probably, um, well, almost everybody anyway, the largest financial goal people save for. And it's so, it's much easier to accomplish retirement and set yourself up financially for that and when you start early and when you're consistent with your savings. So, um, you know, again, we worked through, you know, a little budgeting example for young adults. And I I, I do still think 10-ish percent of your gross pay is a great target to, to be adding to your 401k. Maybe, you know, I... Even better, 12%, 15 if you can get you know more in there when you're young, the better. We've done a whole show in the past on front-loading your retirement and how awesome that is. And I actually have one other example um, to work through today on that. Um, but just a quick compounding interest example. So, so what that means, the reason it's easier to save for retirement when you start early is because you get... The larger you can work your retirement balance, like your 401k balance, the larger you can work it earlier on or grow it, excuse me, earlier on, then the easier it is for your money to work for you in addition to you working and adding to your money. So, you know, a a 10% growth in a given year, for example, 
is going to earn you more if your account balance is 400000 versus 40000 right? So it, that that's just math. And um, compounding means um, compounding earnings or compounding interest means that your not only does your money earn interest, not guaranteed, but in, in, if, you know, two thirds of the time, statistically, roughly, right, you will have years in the markets where we do have positive earnings. So what, what compounding earnings means is that not only does your money have earnings, but your earnings then have earnings. So then your money plus your earnings have earnings. And then it's just like earnings on top earnings on top of earnings on top of earnings. So you you it's in and time is your friend in the world of investing because you have more time for that compounding interest to really work. And so here's an example really it's easily illustrated I think with numbers. So again what I what I want to show here is saving the difference between let's say one person saves $400 a month every single month for 40 years. By the way, that's a very long time to be very diligent and consistent with savings. So congratulations to that person. 400 bucks a month every month for 40 years. I'm going to use a 7% uh, interest rate. We're going to compare that with someone who saves 800 bucks a month for 20 years. And I guess in this example, I'm assuming it's the second 20 years. So like We'll have a 25-year-old that saves for 40 years until they're 65 at 400 a month. And then we'll have someone who really doesn't focus on retirement until they're 45. So they took 20 years off. They were just making it work and living their life and, and couldn't you know save or didn't think about it or whatever. And they start saving at 45. But they're going to save 800 bucks a month for 20 years. So those two people are saving the exact same amount of money not inflation adjusted, but in w- what we call nominal dollars, right? That's nominal dollars. That that's um, there's are you, are you using are you using the same rate of return? Same both, both same of rate those? of return. Yeah. yeah. So eight hundred bucks a month. Oh, where did my window go? Get out of here! I just had the report up. Okay, eight hundred bucks a month for twenty years at seven percent interest is four hundred and six thousand dollars. 20 years from now. So that person started at 45. When they're 65, they saved 800 bucks a month. How many, how many, what's the capital? Oh, total contributions, uh, $192,000. Okay. So their capital in was 192,000 at 7% interest annually, $406,000. That's great growth, right? The money doubled. Yeah. The money doubled. Yeah. Now let's talk about some diligent 25 year old and he or she is going to save 400 bucks a month every month for 40 years and i'm going to use the same 7% interest rate so their same total contributions or their capital in is 192,000 but 40 years later they have $988,000 not guaranteed of course is all for illustrative purposes that is ridiculous that that is not so the first person doubled their money uh but the this person that's had more time they had twice as much time that is 
quadrupling their money. That is crazy. Time is your friend in the world of investing. And the earlier you can get money away, the better. You know, when I talk to young people, of course, maybe they're balancing it with paying off some student loan debt. And I get it. It's sometimes more fun to get the money in. And I get it. But, you know, it is a balancing act. You got to get rid of debt, too, especially if it's higher interest rate debt. Um, But that is what we mean by compounding interest and the benefits of saving early is that you, you, your money just compounds. So you're, you, that those two people had the same capital in, but the first person had more years to earn interest on interest on interest on interest. And, and over a long period of time, that is incredibly beneficial to an investor. I love doing that. Should we do another one? All right. No, it's fine. Actually, I wanted to approach it from a different angle. Well, I just, I want to, you know, just make one comment. Um, You know, we tell folks, you know, particularly, you know, younger folks, um, you know, they should be targeting, you know, what, somewhere between 10 and 15%, right? That's our, you know, that's our, you know, sort of general recommendation for somebody that, you know, has, you know, you know, does not have a pension, uh, and you know they're you know they're you know solely responsible for their retirement. Uh, obviously, even you know with Social Security, but even with Social Security accounted for, you know somewhere between ten and fifteen percent of your salary, your you know your gross you know your gross income. That's what you should be trying to put away for retirement. So that's you know that's that's a good you know general target. But you know even for you know maybe for somebody that that can't do that or isn't comfortable doing that or, or whatever the reason. You know, based on that example that you just made, if they can put in a couple percent, that's still better. You know, they should do that. You know, and I think, you know, I think sometimes they feel like, oh, it's not enough. It's not it's not going to make any it's not going to it's not worth it. And, you know, based on that example with what compounding can do, it is worth it. You know, so anything, anything is better than nothing. Uh, You know, if you can do 10 to 15. Yes, that is terrific. And that's, you know, hopefully what you what you should be doing. But, you know, if you can do you know, 5% or, or whatever it is, you know, do it. And, and you'll thank yourself, you know, down the road when that, when that number is a, is a whole heck of a lot bigger than, than you thought it, you know, could ever be. Yeah, absolutely. And there are things, you know, and that's, you know, totally common for someone starting out in life and, you know, for the first time being financially independent, you know, to not be able to hit that 10 to 15% target. But we've talked before on the show about some 401ks have that feature called, what is it, the roll, is it the roll up? The some 401ks have a feature where you can enroll in automatic, maybe it's just called automatic increase, um, where where your contribution percentage will automatically increase as the years go on. And it's probably like a percent per year. So if you start at 5%, next year it'll be 6%. The year after that, it'll be 7%. And, and theoretically, you're getting either cost of living or you know, performance-based increases in pays over time. So theoretically, you know, if you're growing your income by two, three, four, five, ten percent, whatever it is, um, and you're only increasing your 401k contribution by a percent, you probably don't even really notice. Um, of course, in today's world where inflation is pretty insane right now, maybe you would, but normally you you wouldn't. So I forget what that's called. Maybe it's just called automatic increase. But some 401ks allow you an ability to just kind of set on autopilot contributing more over time. And that's a great thing to take advantage of if you're not quite yet to that 10 to 15% target 
for a young person anyway. I mean, if you're 45 again and you haven't saved a penny or, God forbid, older than that and you haven't saved a penny, your target contribution is going to have to be a lot higher than that to pull off retirement at a, at a normal retirement age. But yeah, um, I think that's just I mean, I think that's just an auto increase. I mean, I think yeah, I, I felt, felt like there was like a special name for it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I think, it's probably yeah, just right, automatic because, increase. you know, as you get, you know, as you get, you know, older and, you know, hopefully more established in your job, you know, you know, hopefully you're getting raises, even even if they're just, you know, cost of living adjustments. But, you know, you get raises, maybe, you know, a bonus here and there. And yeah, so if you can, yeah, have those yeah little increases each year as a percentage before you even, you know, before you even see the, you know, the increase, um, yeah. it's, you know, because, you know, if you see the money in your account, you're more likely to spend it, right? I think that's just kind of human nature. And um, yeah, yeah. So, if, yeah, I think the, I think auto increase is great is a great function if, if you have that option available to you. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do another. It's like another compounding interest example. But I wanted to to illustrate. um I wanted to illustrate the important I get the importance of getting money invested early versus later. So it's a similar example. But what I did was I went into our planning software where it can be a little bit more um, specific about doing modeling like this. So what we just did a minute ago with that compound, that 400 bucks a month, 40 years, 800 bucks a month, 20 years, that was just a simple savings calculator. You can just Google that and play around with savings calculators. That one happened happened to be on a website called bankrate.com. Um, they just have a whole bunch of calculators and that was, I think called the simple savings calculators, but there's calculators everywhere online. You can play around with investments and different rates of return and different amounts saved and potential future values, et cetera. But we have like our, um, our planning software where we can be, we can play around with different assumptions. And I could model something where someone saved for a period of time. And then what if something came up in their life and then they couldn't save for a while, but then they could save again. And I was playing around with like over a 30 year period of time, some different scenarios um, under the heading of, you know, things come up in life, stuff, life. stuff happens, yeah. right? Yeah. We have financial, um, we, we have hard financial times and we have good financial times. And, um, and I just sort of wanted to walk through some quick, well, I'll harp on it a little cause I love it and I think it's really fun, but, um, I wanted to walk through some examples here just to prove the point. Cause again, the numbers are pretty staggering. So, um, for, so sort of like base, my baseline model was someone saved um, 500 bucks a month for, excuse me, 30 years. I don't know why I was using different numbers, but 500 bucks a month for 30 years. So let's say like this is someone who's maybe 30 and they're um, fast forward until they're 60 and how much money um, had they accumulated if they could save 500 bucks a month every month for 30 years. And I'm going to assume... Again, a 7% rate of return. Okay, so hold on. I got This one is a little bit complicated because I have to run a report. Hold on a second. So I need to run future value report. So glass it. Summary. Here it is. Okay. So over 30 years, 500 bucks a month at 7% turns into not guaranteed, but this is if it was 7% exactly every year, which of course it's not always the same. When you're an investor, we have varying rates of return year over year. But if it was 7% per year every year, 
500 bucks a month for 30 years turns into $431,000. Then I went and I said, okay, what if someone saved 500 bucks a month for 10 years and then something happened in their life and they couldn't save for 10 more years and then they reverted back to saving again? And so basically I'm modeling, they take that middle 10 years off and then in the final 10 years, they're, they're making up the difference. So I want this person to save the same amount of money. Again, I want to have that, you know, consistent variable there in terms of the capital in. So by the way, 500 bucks a month over 30 years is, I think it's 180,000. Hold on. Let me double check yeah, that. Uh, is that right? 180,000. Okay. So for my second example... It's the same 180,000, but they take those middle 10 years off. So it was 500 bucks a month initially for 10 years, 10 years off, and then 1,000 bucks a month for the final 12 years. So it's that same capital in. But when they because they took that middle 10 years off, their future balance at 7% it's lower. It's it's not four hundred and what was it four hundred? It's not four hundred and thirty one thousand anymore. It's three hundred and sixty six thousand. That's a pretty big difference. Same capital in, and in even some upfront savings, but taking the middle ten years off. Then hold on, two more. Then I did a I did a model where they take the first 10 years off, right? So that 30-year-old, they just can't make it work. They had a baby, whatever. They couldn't make it work. They don't start saving until they're about 40. So they save for the the second, I'm sorry, yeah, the second and the last 20 of those 30 years. But it's, again, it's the same capital in. So they're saving 750 bucks a month for 20 years, which is that same $180,000 of capital in, but they took the first 10 years off. Hold on. And their balance also takes a hit at 7%. It's not 443. It's not 366. It's $310,000 if they take those first uber important years off, right? This is proving that point where it's so important to save early. Early is best. Yeah. And then I bet you can guess what my final example was. Now I'm going to have a very responsible young 30-year-old and this person is going to save for the first 20 years and take the last 10 years off. So this per- but it but they're putting the but it's the same capital in. So this person is saving 750 a month for 20 years and then they take the final 10 of that 30 year period off does that make sense mm-hmm. so that person who saved early and and saved more heavily early because that's the 750 for 20 years and then but but again at the end they take 10 years off so for years 20 through 30 they don't save anything but it's the same 180,000 of capital in and that person at 7% after 30 years has 541,000. These numbers are crazy, right? That's really I mean, it's the same capital in but they're saving early, so they're building their balance earlier, which mean like a, a larger balance earlier in life means your money can work for you, not guaranteed, right? We don't always have positive returns in the market. 
Um, but it means like when you have a larger balance to work with earlier on in life and more years for it to work, you're ta- your you know, seven, eight, nine percent of a larger balance is a larger amount of money just being added from earnings, not only not from your own contribution. So the importance of saving early is uh, is important. <laughs> it's important. Well, yeah, it's important to um, save early. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to hammer that home because, again, we were, you know, we sort of started that uh, uh, with, you know, what does it take to become a financially independent adult? And it takes discipline starting when you're 25 or 30 or, you know, 35. It's st- it takes discipline starting when you're young. It doesn't always. I mean, certainly things happen, right? There could be someone who's 45 and they didn't save a penny and then they inherit a million dollars. I mean, you know, st- stuff happens and it's a, certainly not the only uh, route to financial independence is, you know, saving, you know, starting when you're 25. But it's um, for a lot of people, that's what it's going to take. And it's in, it's a lot easier to achieve financial security, financial independence, whatever you want to call it, if you start early and build those habits early and build those balances early on in life. Sorry to interrupt. No. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm just going to agree with you. I mean, yeah, it's, it takes discipline, but, you know, it also takes, you know, foresight and, you know, thinking, you got, you know, thinking long term and, and thinking about down the road. And, you know, when things are good, uh, if things are good, you know, you, you, you know, you need to, you know, take some money off the table and, and set it aside for, you know, for down the road and for, you know, for times, like you just said, if you go through a rough patch where, you know, maybe you maybe you can't save as much or, or anything, uh, you know, why not, you know, why not overcompensate a little bit when, when times are, are really good, uh, you know, just in case. And, yeah. you know, the other, the other point is if you do go through a rough patch, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, 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 it kind of is what it is. And, you know, if you're working with a, you know, a financial planner, you know, you can talk about, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll make some adjustments, you know, while, you know, while you're in this period, but then, you know, when things get, when you get back to work or whatever it is, okay, well, let's, let's, let's update your plan and see, you know, what you need to do to make up for those lost times. Cause we can, you know, we can do that. And, you know, if that means, you know, saving more than you were doing, you know, before you lost a job or whatever the issue is, um, you know, we can, we can do that math to figure out what you need to do to, to get back on track. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, it's not great. And it certainly is not fun when you're in that period of time, but you can, you know, you can, you can, you know, still have a happy ending if you, uh, if you stay on top of it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of started getting into those examples of taking years off here and there. And, you know, I, I guess ideally nobody really ever takes 10 years off from savings, but, you know, I uh, things come up in life where you might need to reduce contributions. Hopefully you don't ever have to reduce them below what your company matches, assuming your company has a match in a 401k. But, um, you know, I sort of I started delving into that because things change and I always think it's better for someone. I think it's better to start high and see how it goes and you can always adjust. I guess it depends on where you are in life. Like if you're older and haven't saved a whole lot yet. Maybe it's best to just start high and see if you can make it work because you're going to need the contributions to be high. If you're someone younger and you've got student loans and you're just making your way in the world at 23, 
I think it's okay to start lower, like you said, and, and, you know, make, figure out how to make your life work, but you've got to make a plan to get on track. You don't want to be sitting at a 5% 401k contribution for 20 years and then be like, oh, I, you know, this isn't, I'm not on a good track here and I have to make a huge change in my life at a period of time when life is expensive and I have three kids going to college or whatever, you know? So, um, you know, I guess it, it depends on the, the individual person, but it's adjustable. And I guess that was the point. Um, and things happen, but start, you know, start where you think it needs to be to make it, to make retirement work and then see if you can make your life work and adjust it if you have to. No, you're right. It's, uh, you know, too often we, you know, run into people that, you know, they're just talking to us, you know, for the first time and, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe a long time has gone by where they, yeah, they didn't make those upward adjustments. And so maybe they're behind the game and, uh, that certainly makes it a lot more difficult. So, yeah. you know, just a good, a, you know, a plug, a plug for, uh, you know, talking to a financial planner every once in a while to, uh, you know, make sure, you know, just make sure that you're, you're doing, doing all the right things because yeah, the, a lot of times just the time, time just flies by and, and, and now you're, you're kind of behind the game. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk through like another, when I think about financial independence, I, I think it's really important for, um, people to take control of their finances. Like how many clients have you met where they don't have a handle on what they're spending? They don't even know how much money they're taking home. They're not like, you know, they're just not paying very close attention to, to where what's coming in the door and what's going out the door. And that is an unsettling, um, uncomfortable position for many people because they just don't know and they have like no control over it and um not not everyone needs to like cut back and live on a budget in a bad way but there's a lot of people who just don't pay attention and feel like they don't have control and just to make one change in their life, which is to start paying attention, whether it's, you know, it could be spreadsheeting. If you're like me and you like spreadsheets, it could just be putting an app on your phone and starting to pay attention to the totals going, you know, coming and going out every month. It could be, you know, a piece of software that's helping you do it. It could be just like writing it. I have lots of people that just write it down in notebooks and just like write down where stuff is going. And and it, it that one relatively small can be difficult but one change in your life where you're just paying attention and you just know the numbers gives you a sense of control and it's very comforting for people to know that and and there are some situations where people you know they are spending too much and that they need to make a change they might need to make a lifestyle change or cut back here and there sure but not that's not always the case sometimes people are they're they're saving enough and they're not spending too much. They have enough income. They just feel like they don't have control of their finances because they don't know the numbers. And so sometimes that little change of just paying attention, you know, spend six months and just pay attention um, can really like, I'm going to be corny and use the word empower. <laughs> it can really 
empower you and just really make you feel comfortable. And I think that's when I think about financial independence, I think that's huge. It's taking control of your money and not letting it control you. So um, we have to take a break here in a minute. But I but after the break, I just wanted to talk through where people can start by doing that exercise. Um, you know, for me and you, Kirk, you know, that the, to the itemizing expenses or budgeting, whatever you want to call it is it's so for us, it's so simple, right? It's just it's it's numbers in it's dollars and dollars out. Um, but sometimes people don't know where to start. So I just wanted to take a little bit of time after the break and talk about where do you start? How do you start this process in terms of how much what, what's my disposable income? How much do I have? What, what, and then where do I start with the rest of the process? So um, we'll we'll do that after the break. But um, OK, that music means it's time to take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on money. Um, I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. You can find out more about us at McNamaraonmoney.com or McNamaraFinancial.com. If you ever miss a show, by the way, we do uh, put all of our shows onto our podcast. So you can search the podcast, any podcast app for McNamara on Money. I don't know if you see our pictures or if you see the McNamara on Money logo with the little headphones. Uh, either way. We are taking a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're talking about financial independence. Happy 4th, everybody. Uh, We'll be right back. (laughs) 